night, Julie, August 2nd. We miss ya. Um, tonight we're back in the kingdom. Let's just kind of get the picture here. The kingdom of God, that is the lordship, the headship of God in your life. That is the kingdom that is within you. Okay? That is pure spirit, pure raw spirit kingdom. That is the kingdom within you. And that's the kingdom we should be living out of um, toward the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is... Um, and, and the thing that you have to get, like when you're reading these parables, you have to understand what Jesus is talking about when he says the kingdom of heaven. You have to have the context for everything. Because at one point, he's speaking about his own kingdom. Because he is from the line of David and he will have a throne in this material realm. Um, he'll rule out of the spirit, just like we do, from the kingdom of God to the kingdom of heaven, which is where he's going to reign. And then there is the whole kingdom, which is everything God created. Spirit and material. Okay, That is literally domain or estate. Um, so that's kind of the way you look at it. The kingdom of God is within you. That is the lordship of God. That's the fact that you are born again you are God's child. You have his DNA in you. You are literally a child of God. Alright? That is the kingdom of God. Then you have two, two looks at the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus is speaking in these parables like, you know, the sower and all that, he is speaking about all of God's creation. Spirit and flesh that um, and how it functions. But there were times when the disciples would come and say, you know, can we have thrones on either side of you in your kingdom? And he says, well, in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to drink from my cup, you know, if you, if you even want to think about that. But whoever will be the greatest of you, you know, should be the servant to all. And... Um, when he's speaking about the kingdom of heaven then, he's speaking about his kingship in this earth realm. Okay, But because he is a part of God himself, he will do what we do because we're a royal priesthood. We rule out of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of heaven. You know, And that's where Jesus is. He is seated in heavenly places with the Father. So he rules now from the spirit side through us. We're the flesh. But eventually he'll be the flesh. And he'll be sitting on the throne and he will lead too. He'll rule too from the kingdom of God out into the kingdom of heaven. Spirit and material. So when, when you start talking about kingdom of heaven, it gets really fuzzy because you have to have the context. You have to know whether he's speaking about his kingdom or is he speaking about the kingdom that is everything he created. You know, That would be the whole kingdom. That would be it. Everything. Spirit and material because God created everything. The angels, you know, all the spirit beings. He created... You and I with a spirit, we are a spirit being, but he also gave us a material body and a material world. So everything in that domain is part of the kingdom of heaven.
But sometimes when Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of heaven, he's referring to his own kingship in this material world. Which, just like we do now, we're going to rule through from the kingdom of God to the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Okay. The thing that um, these parables and, and um, what we've been talking about, the thing that makes them important is that it slightly changes our viewpoint. Every time you take a new parable, a new uh, story, your viewpoint should slightly change more so that you're looking out of the kingdom of God toward things rather than looking out of the material realm. And one of the hardest parts about that and the thing that stumps even most Christians is that the kingdom of heaven is paradoxical. In that what the material world, what seems to be right in the material world, Proverbs says it like this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end therein is death. Okay? Um, the material world has its own viewpoint of what, what should work and what should not work. But it's all dependent on a material world and your own material strength and your own material understanding of things. Um, but then there is a spirit viewpoint which is going to almost be completely opposite. So just to give you some examples... One is, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Um, whoever is great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever is chief among you, let him be your servant. Completely opposite. If you're the chief, then you have servants underneath you in the material realm. In the kingdom of God, if you are the greatest, then you are the servant. You know, um, The least shall be the greatest, the greatest shall be the least. Whoever loses his life, shall find it. Whoever finds his life shall lose it. Um, having the heart of a child in the kingdom of God, the more you grow up in the things of God, the more you become like the heart of a child. The more you grow up in the things of the kingdom of God, the more you grow up, the more you become like a child in the kingdom of God. Um, then there's give and you shall receive. You know. Um, and uh, the world says hoard and you, you know, you'll have your whatever you're due. But God says give. Put it in the kingdom. Store it in the kingdom where it won't be eaten by moth and rust. You know, and then you'll have great treasure. And, and whatever you give the Lord, He is always going to give it back to you multiplied. You never get back just exactly what you gave. It always comes back to you multiplied. And um, the, the material world doesn't see that. The material world takes what it has, stores it up, you know, like in a bank, and tries to a man will try to multiply it himself. You know, day trading, all these stock trades and buying and selling and, you know, men are trying to multiply their own and eke it out. God's multiplicity is much greater, but if you look at it, you know, from a worldly standpoint, it looks like you're giving everything away, you know. 
So there are so many paradoxes that if you don't if you don't completely repent, in other words, if you don't completely change your worldview, you're still going to fall prey to the, um, the traps in the material world. And so we need to really kind of take a look at all that. That's why we've kind of gone through this um, with parables. We're not doing a study on parables, but what I want to do is give us a mind's view because that's what Jesus did. He came to teach people what the kingdom of heaven was, what the kingdom of God was, um, what lordship means, and how to live an overcoming life. So if you think of the people of the day, the ones he was preaching to, they, they had the boot of the Romans on their necks. They had the boot of the Sanhedrin on their necks. And, um, you know, the law of their religion, it wasn't even a relationship at that point. It was just pure religion. Um, and, and it was all oppressive. So Jesus was trying to show them that if you have this kind of a heart, you can see the kingdom. You can perceive it. You can step over and live out of that. Nicodemus was blown away by all the miracles that he did and the way he taught, the great wisdom he had. And Jesus is going, Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again to see the kingdom the way I see it. You know, to perceive this kingdom. You know, because Nicodemus was wanting to understand how Jesus operated from the kingdom of God out into the heavenly range. That's what drew people. And they wanted to see that. And he says, if you want to see that, then you have to have these B attitudes. And then you need to diligently seek. Diligently seek after. Um, this is a freebie, but I got such a revelation the other day about this diligently seeking after. Time out. I'm just going to show you. Go to Proverbs 4. I got a... Um, a little Bible upstairs that sometimes I'm upstairs reading, sometimes I'm downstairs studying, but I was just reading in this little Bible upstairs and I thought, fun, I'll just start over with Proverbs. You know, and just read this. Okay, Proverbs 4. I bet you I've read this like 10 million times. And there are things that I have been standing for and believing for for a very long time. You know. And um, I'm not moving my faith is locked on the word and it's coming out of my mouth and I'm standing. But the Lord showed me something here that was just like, oh my gosh. It's another little bit of kingdom view. Okay? Um, look at verse 20. Two out of the three I had here. Okay, but, but one was missing, you know, and, and a two-legged stool won't stand. But a three-legged stool, that's solid. Okay, here we go. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So you want to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, right? Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Okay, I got to keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, mumbling, meditating the word, feeding on the word. But you know what I missed? Don't let them depart from your eyes. I went back and I went, oh my gosh. Because I'm to the point where, you know, you know scripture by heart. So man, I just fire that scripture off because out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. 
and I speak it and I speak it and I declare it and I stand on it and but then I looked at this and it says don't let it depart from your eyes did you know Kenneth Copeland went through that exact same uh -uh. experience in Revelation it was written up in did the he? magazine wow he said because he knew all these scriptures by heart and he knew how to pray the scripture right do all that and stand on it's them. the same Holy Spirit isn't it the faith and the patience and all that and he said he was sitting one there one day they were talking to God and asking him about it. And God said, Go to that and read it. Wow. He's watching Same Holy Spirit. Verse. Yeah. So he went and he read I did he the said, same thing. He's, and then God told him, What does that say about your sight? Wow. Mm-hmm. Read them out loud. That's Put cool. Put them in front of your eyes and read them. That's cool. I don't know how I missed Keep that with him, but that's awesome. Because we tend to, you know, yeah. put them in here. That's it. And then the next thing you know, you're paraphrasing or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's fine to a certain extent as long as you that's say right. the truth. That's right. But that's it. God and told Kenneth Copeland to look to. You get I the Bible it. out and you read that promise. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? I have found It's very tedious because you know them. It's a very tedious practice because you know them. But I think it's more about um, every part of your being being involved, your, your, your senses, all of your senses being involved in that process. And that goes back to your brain, you know, and how your brain works. And, you know, we look but, at those kinds of, that high level of preaching and teaching and success in the Christian mm -hmm. and you think they got it all together. Yeah. But they deal with the same things we do. They so do. So God tells them, read the scripture. Yeah. Put it in front of your eyes. And read and it. Read it out loud. Yeah. Then we have to do the same We thing. do. And and I think some of it's laziness too. You know, you get lazy. You go, okay, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. But I don't know when the last time was I lined up all those scriptures and went back through them. No. You know, I am prospered in the things I set my hands to. But I don't know how many times I've been back through and read about all those scriptures where God prospers you and how you prosper. You know, get it back in your eyes and then keep it in your mouth. And um, that one little thing is huge. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's the same Holy Spirit. That's why there's you know? books that uh, have the, the scriptures all written out for different areas of concern. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of those little books. Some yeah. of them are in prosperity, some are something right. else. Those little bitty books. You, yeah. you can just pull one of them out and there's your scriptures that right. you can read about yeah. that prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it is amazing how that one little thing can make a difference. But um, everything in the kingdom has to do with the kingdom view. If you're going to live on top of things, you're going to have to do it God's way. You're going to have to do it God's way. So... Um, I kind of want to look at some of the paradoxes. We go through the some of the parables, not all of them, but but I want to look at the paradoxes because um, we tend to. Uh, no, I'm not going to say we. I, you know, I find myself going. It's like sometimes I have one foot in the material world, one foot in the spirit world, and um, I I have to pull my foot back. Which is what the end of Proverbs 4 says. Pull, pull your foot back. Read that. Who has their Bible there? Read that last verse. In 4. Uh-huh. Turn not the right hand nor the mm. left. Remove thy foot. Okay. Remove your foot from evil. It, and, and it doesn't mean like sin in the sense of, you know, thou shalt not kill. 
But anything that is counter to God is evil. Okay? So you remove your foot from going the wrong way. You just have to. And if you read up before that, it says, keep your eyes looking right on and your eyelids, which means don't blink. Keep your eyes, your physical eyes, on the Word, on Jesus, on the kingdom of God, and don't blink. And then pull your foot back, you know, from looking at it from the material side. Pull your foot back. Because I tend to want to kind of hedge my bets. And um, he says, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you can't trust in flesh. Um, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And here's Paul talking about it. We have this anointing, the supernatural anointing. We have the kingdom of God within us. Within an earthen vessel. Okay? It's there. And you can, if you put your foot, one foot in the material realm and one foot in the spirit realm, you can be overwhelmed by the material things happening in your life. Because your focus is not perfectly right on. And um, so... Paul is talking here, speaking to that. And I've read this verse a thousand times. But it all of a sudden means so much more when you put it in the context of getting a kingdom view of where you are. Okay? Um, start with verse... Um, chapter 4. Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Start with verse... Um, one. <laughs> Just start there. It's good. Okay, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy and we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. But, if the gospel be hid, it is hid to those to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there's a material view, the, just the material flesh view, and there's a spirit view. But those that are dead to the spirit things are only going to view things through the material realm. Okay. But we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. In other words, the Lordship of God. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, that's the kingdom of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side. Now that's the material view of it. But look at where he's looking. He's looking at the spirit. Yet not distressed. 
Why is he not distressed? Because his eyes are on the kingdom of God. <clears throat> not on what's happening in the material realm. We are perplexed. In the material realm, it's perplexing. But in the spirit realm, they are not in despair. Because they know the kingdom has the answers. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. In the material realm, they are persecuted. But Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the kingdom view. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Flesh view, kingdom view. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. So we always take... It, what he's saying there is... is if you are in Christ Jesus, you bear the death on the cross in your life because you're in him. His lifeline is yours. But you also bear his resurrection. And if he is resurrected and you are in him, then you have been raised above your circumstances too. <clears throat> and that's what he's saying. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. If you're troubled, if you're perplexed, if you're persecuted, if you're cast down, doesn't matter because in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, you don't have to be distressed. You're, you're not in despair. You are not, <clears throat> you're not destroyed. You are not forsaken. But it depends on where your eyes are. What, you know, where is, what is your view, your worldview? Okay, verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake but that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. So then, death works in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also, by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet our inward man is renewed day by day which one are you focusing on the outward man that's perishing or are you focusing on the inward man and I'll tell you if you're focused on the inward man Paul says in Romans the spirit quickens your flesh. Okay? But if you don't know that, if you're not receiving it, if you're not believing it, you don't know to appropriate it. Okay. Um, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. So he says, yeah, we're, we're afflicted here. But man, compared to the weight of glory um, in the kingdom of God, this is nothing. And um, so he looks at what he's going through in the material realm with different eyes than you and I do. In Philippians, Paul is sitting in the middle of the most horrific prison in the whole world, the Roman prison. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And how can he rejoice? He says, let your mind think on the goodness of God. Whatever is truthful, whatever is, you know, of good report, whatever is... He says, you focus on God and the glory of God and you'll be able to rejoice in every circumstance. Why? Because you know the kingdom view. You win. You know, you are over your circumstances. Okay. 
And this is what he says. He says, you know, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While. So meanwhile, this is what we do. We look not at things which are seen. You don't focus on the things that are seen. But at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal. I'll say it this way. The things that are seen are subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. They do not change. If you live out of the kingdom of God into this material world, things that are seen, and you use your faith-filled words, you can change what you see. It is not... Does anybody have that in the Amplified verse 18? I don't have my amplifier. Oh, I do have it. Wait, let's see. Second. I'm just curious about that passage. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. So, yeah. So, the, those things that are seen are subject to change. And what can change it? Living out of the kingdom of God can change your physical circumstances. And um, so we have to change our worldview. So one more set of scriptures here about worldview versus kingdom of God view. Um, because they are diametrically opposed. They're, that's why there are paradoxes in the kingdom of heaven. Because there is the kingdom of God within that and there is the kingdom of men in that. There's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. Um, and um, a lot of times we straddle and we shouldn't. We need to step all the way over into the kingdom of God. Alright, go to Romans 8. Since we're just... Let's just back a few pages there. Romans 8. Okay, start with verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, you get into problems all the time looking at the material world. If you want to get out of it, seek God and His righteousness. His way of doing and being right. And then everything else is added to you. Okay. So that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh... That means the material realm. Do mind the things of the flesh. People who are focused on the material will think on and mind and picture, image the things of the world. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, to be flesh or material minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
When you focus on the kingdom of God and get your mind on the kingdom of God, pull your foot out of the evil, out of the kingdom of the material realm, and you and you focus on that and you want God's way, do it his way, then the material realm has to bow its knee. Okay. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. I know, didn't that just get you? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. God's way of doing and being right. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we'll die. So if you live after the flesh, you go to death. Here's another paradox. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Another paradox in the kingdom. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if you have not received the spirit of bondage, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Adoption is a word that means you have received the spirit that raises you up to the position of the firstborn son. It doesn't mean you're engrafted in like we think of adoption now. It literally means raised to the position of the firstborn son. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it depends on where your viewpoint is. Again, if you're going to view things in the material realm where you think life is with your flesh body, you're going to die. You'll lose it. But if you look at the things of the kingdom where nothing changes, where it's eternal, there you're going to find life. You'll mortify the flesh. In other words, you, you put that away, you kill that, and you focus on the kingdom of God, and then you find life and blessing. Paradox. Alright, go to Galatians 6. In, in the NIV, they don't say flesh. They, they say, say what? It's sinful nature. Okay. Okay, which sounds like it allows you to, in the flesh, you know, eat, drink, and do the things mm. that the physical body needs addressed. Yes. Okay. It just doesn't do it don't do it in a sinful, corrupted well, fashion. The sin of it is this. This is what I'm saying. We do have to eat and we have to drink and we have to breathe. But the sin in that is whether you are doing it as you know, in a material sense, as opposed to realizing that your source is out of the kingdom. I understand you that, know, yeah. So, but when you say flesh, it's like all encompassing. Where mm -hmm. the NIV addresses the flesh just as just sinful, the sinful nature. nature. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It, that down. Yeah. Well, pride of life is is that sinful nature. Right. Pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. Well, how fast 
fast do we all of a sudden get a terrible news or something that all of a sudden you go into that? You do. Now, unless you constantly stay in this realm or, you know, in the spirit, as soon as your flesh gets hit with something, I mean, you just crumble. That's so, right. Oh, Jesus, what? Yeah, and right, but you know, I'm thinking. But this is the deal. That's your soil. You know, how much good seed do you have? When something hits, yeah, you go into a tailspin because it hits you in the flesh realm. It hits you in the heart. It hits you. You know, wherever the trouble is, it's going to get you. But this is the deal. When the heat goes up, you know, do you wither? You can't. When the heat's up. You can't suddenly decide you want to plant a crop and be in faith. You can't, you know, people who, um, I've really struggled with this, people who, um, uh, uh, you know, succumb to serious diseases like cancer. If you don't have the word in you when it comes, you're not going to be strong enough to build that word in you when you're sick. You're doing all you can do to be, uh, to survive, you know. So if you have the word in you, if you have that bank in you, you can, you'll reach equilibrium in the spirit realm. You know, you'll come to a peace in the spirit realm and then that will manifest in your body. The spirit will quicken your body and bring you to a place of peace. You know how that is. You've been hit and hit and hit too. And um, at first you go, oh my gosh, here we go again. But then you go, no, the Lord's got it. It's already taken care of. You know, we've, we're already prayed. We've spoken blessings over our families. God's got this. Yeah, you know, but people who don't have that foundation, whose worldview is the worldview, it's just death all the way down. It's just a downward spiral, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I have struggled ministering to people like that, you know. Well, just this week ministering, is exactly. Mm-hmm. It came, it hit, and right away, you know, she, this distraught on the other end of the phone and I thought I tried to go into it and I thought you know what this is not where I want to be and I quickly said you know what you have got to let go of that or don't think and all of a sudden it calmed down and I Mm -hmm. didn't know what to say other than that right and I just just saw that that's right you just you just just spoke to the storm yes you know you just spoke to the storm Calm down. Luckily, Peace be still. Eventually said thank you because I'm now calm. Good. Yeah. That's what you do. You speak to the storm. But that's because out of the but abundance you know, of your heart. I did the same thing she did. You know, right. I just kind of reacted the same way. Right. Said, oh, we cannot speak this. You know, right. Rather than just go right into saying, you know what, someone else, God's got this in control and we just yeah. cannot go there. Mm-hmm. So, you're right. Give it to God. That's, that's it. it. And But if you don't know him, yeah. If you do not have a kingdom mind, if you don't really, if you haven't seen, comprehended the kingdom of God, you're not going to let go of anything in the material realm because that's where your life is. But if you try to hold your life like this, you're going to lose it. But, but you can also be double-minded. I've been there. Yes, well, you can be double-minded. Like yeah, and that's what James said. Yeah, James that's speaks. That's not yes. good either. No. no. Good point. That's, that's true. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I think she was coming from because yeah. I thought... You know, before she had gotten herself calm, and then all of a sudden, nothing, something else popped into her. You know, another crisis. Yeah. She lost it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's it in, and it is. It's just all about that 
where your focus is. You know, where, where are, what is your viewpoint? If you are viewing it from the kingdom of God, um, like Jesus, I mean, like yeah. Bill said, you know, Jesus wept. He was overcome with emotion at the death of Lazarus. He right. was overcome with the pain of his friends. But at the same time, he walked right up there and raised Lazarus from the dead because he didn't get, he didn't get overwhelmed by that. He simply rose up in the kingdom. Father, I am so glad that I can look at you and now you're going to get the glory for this. Lazarus, come forth. Um, and, and he immediately looked at it out of the kingdom perspective. He, he was looking from the kingdom of God toward the kingdom of heaven. And that's when, you know, but you don't, you don't just get there and stay there. Jesus didn't either. You know, he fed on that word all the time. He was off praying nights and nights and uh, off by himself, work, you know, feeding and learning. And um, he, he worked at it too because, you know, his flesh needed that as well. Um, he knew that law backwards and forwards. He could quote it to the Pharisees and the Sadducees at 12 years of age. They were marveling at how much he knew. And they're going, where did he go to school? He wrote it. You know? Yeah, exactly. He wrote it. <laughs> Yeah, that's very There good. you go. <laughs> He's yeah. the author and the finisher. Exactly right. And um, so if he had to spend time and focus and, you know, think on that word and see that word, so do we. So do we. Not because of our spirit person, but because our flesh gets in the way. You know, this, our flesh just flies right up there. Okay, one more little scripture here, and then we're going to start into some of these uh, stories. Um, uh, Galatians 6, look at verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Now we're talking about the seed here, the word, what you're sowing. Okay. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. So if you're speaking to your flesh about all your troubles, about everything, if you're sowing all those issues to your flesh, you're going to reap more of the same. Okay? But if you sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And... Um, so you and I have to keep sowing to our spirit. We have to keep working on that spirit man, you know, and stay pressed in and stay focused so that like Paul says, the unseen is more real than the seen. Because the unseen is unchanging where what we look at is subject to change every minute of every day. And if you're looking at in, in the um, spirit realm and you know God's your anchor, he's not going to change. He's not going to shift you're going to be like the guy whose house is built on the rocks. So when the storm comes, and it comes, the storm comes, he was the one whose house stood. But like Jill was talking about, the person whose house is on the sand, you know, you have a little word, you have a little of this, a little of that, so that it shifts from one place to the other. Your house is going under when the storm hits because you don't have time to build the foundation when the storm hits. You have to have the foundation so that, you know, when the storm hits, you're solid. You're solid. And that's because you're living from a kingdom view instead of a, a worldly view. Um, 
And I'm telling you, that is not easy to do. That is not easy to do. Well, go to Matthew 19. This is not a parable, but this is this is worldview versus kingdom view. Okay? Um, Matthew 19. This was a true story. One we've read about a million times. So this is a million and one. <laughs> This is the story of the rich, rich young ruler. Okay, Last time we read through this, we were looking at it in terms of grace. And doing for yourself as opposed to accepting what God's already done for you. You know, what can I do to be great in the kingdom? Right? Okay. Um... Okay, the proper view here would be that to, to look from the kingdom of God, the lordship of God, and the headship of Jesus Christ. Okay, that, that would be the proper view. Where your eyes and your heart are like that of a trusting child. You're just going to lean on Jesus no matter what it looks like, no matter what the material realm does, you're going to totally, completely trust. Be obedient you know, trust enough to be obedient. Just to do it without question. Because you know that God is good and, and everything else will be good. The worldview of the kingdom, um, the worldview makes you king of your own realm, really. Um, and that is First um, John 2. All that is in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. That is... Uh, material that is um, all that's in the world that's the worldview okay and it is it is without a spiritual connection at all it's just a worldview what I see what I want what I desire and what I can do about it and that doesn't mean evil it just means a, a point of view that's wrong Jesus was talking to the little woman at the well. Do you remember? And and um, he told her that she was living with a guy that she wasn't married to, but she'd had five husbands. And so she goes, whoa, you're a prophet. That's really cool. Then she says, there's a question I've had for forever. And do you remember way back when we were studying in Joshua how the, there were two mountain ridges and Mount Ebal was on one side, kind of bald on the top. And up on that mountain, they built... Um, a um, a temp uh, uh, an altar and and uh, the priests would go up on that altar and offer sacrifices so that all the millions of the Jews all around could see it way up there. Okay, well Mount Ebal is right smack in the middle of um, of uh, Samaria, right Sychar where this lady was is right at the foot of that mountain. So her question was this: She said, "You know, my people." mixed Jewish race, have always believed that we could worship God up on this mountain. But the Jewish people say we have to go to the temple to worship. So that was a worldview. Now her heart was not wrong. She was talking about worshiping the living God. She was hungry to know. But it was a worldview. And Jesus said to her, you don't even know who you worship. You know, that you're going to be worshiping in spirit. And truth. God wants people who worship in spirit 
and in truth. And so he turned her eyes from this material world to the spirit realm. But her heart was not in the wrong place when she was asking those questions. So just because you have a material view doesn't mean that you're not a born-again believer. You know. Did Ron say that to you in your service today where he told us, you know, the church is not the building, it's the people. There you the go. Church. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And that is a kingdom view. You know, we are those lively stones built up together. That royal priesthood. Yeah. And... Um, and um, so we have to have a different viewpoint. And that's exactly what Jesus did with her. Nicodemus came and what did he do? Nicodemus says, how can I be born again of my mother? And he says, Nicodemus, you have to be born of the Spirit. He changed his viewpoint to a kingdom viewpoint as opposed to a material viewpoint. So long as you have this material viewpoint, you are never going to be able to see, comprehend, understand the kingdom of God. And then he told this little girl, she says, where am I supposed to worship? Here on Mount Ebal? Or am I supposed to go down to the temple? Where can I worship the living God? Because sounds like she wanted to. And he said, oh, he said, the day's coming when you're going to worship in spirit. And in truth, he turned her right in. You know, and um, the more I start to study this, the more I see that's exactly how he ministered to people. He changed their viewpoint. He just changed their viewpoint, you know, so that they started living out of the kingdom as opposed to living out of the material realm. And, um, yeah, isn't that cool how he did that? Well, that takes you back to that Proverbs 4 and 13. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Yeah. That's your focus there. That's it. That's exactly right. And it goes on to say, put away perversity from your, your mouth, mm. which is saying the wrong thing. Out of the abundance of your heart. Yeah. No. That's right. Very good. You're exactly right. And that guard your heart is really cool because, first of all, he says, put the word in there. You know, get your eyes on it, get your ears on it, get your mouth on it, get everything on the word. Then it, it's like, protect it so that the word can't escape. Mm -hmm. But then it is also a defensive word so that the world can't get in and muddle it. So when you guard your heart, it's both offensive and defensive. You know, you are defensive in that you don't want to let any of the word out, but you are offensive in that you are driving the world away. You know, you're keeping it out. So it's pretty, it's pretty awesome when you, you know, when you think about what, what God has said to us about that just so that we can have the right viewpoint because how you view things is how you react to things you know how you react take peace or take fear take worry take whatever and believe me I've been both been both you know like when when Headstrom closed you know oh my gosh it's tailspin I mean I knew the word been in the word stayed the word and um I was speaking the word and standing on the word and Bill was speaking the word and we were standing in agreement and um, I was still stressing. You know, I'd wake up in the night, two in the morning, shivering under the covers like, we're going to starve to death, it's over, the life is, you know. Just, it, it was such a battle. It's not easy. It was a battle. And the Lord just showed me one day. He said, you are holding on to the things of life so tight that you have let the kingdom of God slip through your fingers. So if you want to keep your life, then you have to let it go. If you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you let your life go, then you're going to get it back. You know? 
But the more tense things get, the more we tend to do this because it's in our face. You know, it's really hard to let go when everything is right in your face. But that's what the kingdom of God says. You know, let it go. Just let it go. So what if you're in the street? You know, what's the very worst thing that could happen to you? You could die, and then guess where you're going to be in a minute? I know. When you finally get to that point, what have you done? You've just killed your flesh. You know, your flesh is dead then to the issue. What's the very worst that could happen? You could die, and then where are you going to be? Woohoo! Is that not another paradox that we're created with those emotions that can flood over you so quickly? Yes. But that's not what we're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. So I guess the better we get, the 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 shorter durations those emotions bear on us. Yeah, I think you're right, Bill. I think you're right. We're we're much more quick to get our feet under us and you know refocus on the things of God and. That takes you know. back to another proverb where it talks about the word being medicine. Medicine yes, takes it. a little while to work. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. we were created with those emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's overcoming them. That's it. But worldview of your emotions and and spirit view. You know, kingdom of God view. You're exactly right. That's a good point, Bill. But it's also good that there is that stronghold that we have to fall back on because yeah. like you know, just the, just knowing what I did this week, I thought, oh my gosh, if I wouldn't have had that to stand on yeah. to even speak it to someone else yeah, I where mean, would you be? We've both been mm-hmm. in the gutter. Really. In the gutter. Yeah, and what did Jesus out. say about that? The blind lead the blind right. into the ditch. I thought, oh. You know, yeah. Yeah, I was, mm-hmm. yeah. what's wrong with the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so long as you know there's a way out. <laughs> you know, those that don't have that to stand yeah. on, mm-hmm. but, you know, she was it just a friend or a, a relation, and it was just a you know her bad her news mm-hmm. that just scared her to death, just scared her to tears. Yeah. And I thought, whoa, you know this traumatic, and then all of a sudden I'm right with her, and I thought, oh, we can't do this. No. We just not can do this. Mm-mm. I know. So it. I prayed right over the phone with her, and I said, you know what, you have got to just. Not speak this or not no. think it. Right. You have to get yeah. have to change your focus. You have I, to repent. Now change faith, the way you think. It's just that I, I said that. now faith. It was just now faith. Yeah. And it was just that's it has it. to be. Mm-hmm. Now it faith. does. Now right faith. That that's yeah. it. You have to believe that he is and yes. that he's the rewarder of those mm-hmm. that diligently seek him. It, yeah, it it's um it's everything. It's just what you believe to be true. Yes. And that's your viewpoint. If you believe the kingdom is more real, the, the unseen is more real than the seen, then you have the opportunity to change the scene. Right. Otherwise, you don't. You just go under with it. All right, let's go and read about the rich young ruler. <laughs> what he's looking for really here is confirmation. You know, he might have had some doubts, but everybody's looking for an attaboy. And that's basically what he was looking for. And I'm sure he thought, man, I'm already in here. I mean, this is a piece of cake. I'm just going to go and let him know how lucky he is that I'm around. And um, so back up to verse 13, because here we go again. You know, this is the paradox thing. Where's your trust, little children? Uh, Verse 13. Then there were brought to him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said... Suffer the little children 
and forbid them not to come to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven, the lordship of Jesus. Of such is the lordship of Jesus. That total, complete, innocent trust in Jesus. Okay? And he laid his hands on them and departed from thence. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? He's already got uh, trying to change his viewpoint here. So the question was, what must I do? But he says, whoa, 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 back it up. Who, who said you could call me good? Um, there's none good but one, and that is God. Which way did he point? Which way did he point this man's attention to the kingdom of God? He immediately stopped him right there, and he pointed to the kingdom of God. He said, that is the only good. In, the, in, in existence and that's because this man was thinking of himself as good and therefore he could speak to the good master and Jesus says back up the train you've got the wrong viewpoint you're looking at things from the world God the kingdom of God God kingship is the only goodness in existence but if you will enter into life keep the commandments and he said to him which and Jesus said, you shall do no murder, you shall not commit adultery, you will not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. And the young men said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth up. What do I lack? And Jesus said to him, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor that you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now here he's talking kingship. He says, you, you, put, you sell your goods, sell everything, you know. And the sad thing is, this young man, because of his worldview, was standing in the presence of the field that was full of great treasure. He was standing in the presence of the pearl of great price. The man who bought the field with the great treasure in it gave everything he had because he knew the treasure buried in that field, those gold and silver mines or whatever, was far greater than any treasure he had immediately in the world. The same with the pearl. The man found that pearl and he knew that the value of that one single pearl was greater than all of his wealth put together. So he gladly sold everything he had to purchase that one pearl because that pearl was of greater value. This young man was standing on the field seeing the pearl of great price and he never saw it. He never recognized it. And so rather than selling all he had and giving it to the poor for a far greater treasure in the kingdom of heaven, the man's eyes were set on this material world. And he went away sad. Back to the story. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man will hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's really, that, that's the, the headship of Jesus, you know, in this kingdom. But keep going. 
And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter what? The kingdom of God. He delineates right there between the two. And the reason the rich man can't do that is because he has to give it all up. But what he doesn't understand is, is that the paradox in the kingdom is this. Give it up and God blesses it back to you multiplied. If you hold on to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to decay and rust on you. It's not going to do you any good. Now that doesn't mean you can't have your 401ks. Alright, don't even think that. Because even in Proverbs it talks about the ant gathering in the summer for the winter. That's not what we're talking about. But if God tells you you need to do this, then do it. Be obedient. Give whatever you need. Do whatever you have to do out of what you have. Um, because it isn't yours anyway. Yeah. I have a question. Um, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Is he not already in the kingdom of heaven and part of it? Okay. It, it, this, this translation is better. This is kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' speaking, when this is, the context here is what must I do to be acceptable to you? What must I do to be, you know, really solid in your kingdom? He was trying to be, uh, uh, you know, under Jesus' um, acceptance. So in this sense, the kingdom of heaven is talking lordship. That's why I said a little while ago, you have to get the context in order to understand kingdom of heaven. Because sometimes, like in the, the sower sows the word, that's just all of creation. Spirit and... The kingdom. Right. Is right. But when, when, like, the disciples came and said, which one of us is going to be greater in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, you know, those that are going to be the greatest are going to have to be the servants. And um, now he's talking lordship. And Jesus is going to sit on that throne. He has that kingdom now outside of time and space but he's talking lordship here with this okay. man it confused me because he he is in the kingdom of heaven yes he is a member of the created kingdom of heaven okay. right mm -hmm. but not of the lordship of Jesus Christ okay. how am I going to be pleasing to you lordship. yeah I'm he's saying that up okay. I was confused by that also yes he's saying he's in the kingdom of heaven yes but what he's asking for is I want to be Lordship. Right. I want you to accept me. Yeah. I want to be good enough for you to accept me. What do I have to do to have you accept me? Doesn't this go back to works and the law? Yes. Yes. As opposed to Jesus and grace. It does. And this young man had been raised under the law. And so the first thing Jesus did was say, you're looking at this realm. What must I do? You know, good master. And he says, whoa. Focus on the only good that there is, and that's God. You know, spirit being, kingdom of God. Did it immediately, right there. Do you have something you want to say? You're smiling here. Yeah, I just had a... An aha. An aha here. <laughs> Who are we talking about? A young man in Israel. A young man in Israel had great wealth how does a young man in Israel under the Romans under the Sanhedrin get great wealth 
From what? He, he might have been a priest. Or he could be the firstborn son that inherited. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's the word that comes to mind. Inherited. He may have inherited this great wealth. What are we promised by God? Inheritance. <laughs> Just a contrast there. But being a young man, if he didn't inherit it, being a young man with great wealth, if he gave it all up today, could he not do it again? But there's fear in that, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. There yeah, there is fear in that. He just uh, couldn't uh, let it. Fail. I'm just saying that from the perspective of surrender, you know, yeah. well, God prospered me this. I could, he could do me again. Yeah. So I'll go out there and, and sell everything. And mm -hmm. But, you know, anyone, like, grows up with wealth and inherits it, that becomes their security. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And... And it's scary to give up yeah. your security. That's, that's, that was my concern as to where, where, where did a young man get great yeah. wealth? And, and that's kind of funny because he, you, if you asked him, are you a son of Abraham? He would have said, yes, I am a son of Abraham. And Abraham's covenant promised great wealth. And that should have focused him on his source anyway, that God, God is his source. He knew the law, but he still didn't know God. He still didn't know the God of the covenant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, um, so he couldn't give anything up. Abraham left everything and moved out into the <coughs> desert and places he didn't even know where he was going because he so trusted God, you know. Um, and yet this young man couldn't let go of what he had. Because he didn't know God at all. He had no, no relationship whatsoever. No understanding about being a son of Abraham even. You know, that God prospered him. God blessed him. <laughs> that was his source. But the fact that he was sad mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's a sign that, that he was sad. Was he sad because he couldn't get into the kingdom of God? Or the fact that he had to give up? You know, he didn't want to give up the thing. Or was he being remorseful for his own attitude of saying, I can't give that away? Oh, no. Why was he sad? Unless it was just that rejection, you know, right. that little smack at his pride. Yeah, he'd come you know? to Jesus to find out, you know. How good he was. Yeah, sort of, yeah. And Jesus didn't. went away sad because Jesus hadn't seen him as he saw himself. And yeah. Don't we still do that? Yes. Because we all want to give our resumes. Yes. I teach. I run a ministry. Mm -hmm. I work for missions. Mm -hmm. yeah. I usher. I greet. I do this. I do that. Mm -hmm. Whenever we meet someone in the church, we always want to give our resume of all the good things we do. Yeah. This is probably part of his mindset because those that lived under the law had to work and do good works to be considered worthy in the eyes of God and in the eyes of their peers. That's it. And we still tend to do that. We do. I mean, it's it is the biggest one of the biggest destroyers of the church. <coughs> you know, works. Yes. You know. Now we're, um, we are to do good works, but not to stand on the works. Well, rely on them. This is the deal. You either if if they're self-generated works, they're of no consequence. But when they're God-generated, you yes. find you do more in the kingdom of God than you do when they're self-generated. Self-generated works bring self-pride like, like you were talking about with the, with the uh, rich young ruler. 
But God-generated works is just you responding in love to whatever God's telling you right. to do. It's, it's and while that seems small that. and insignificant in itself, it's huge in the kingdom. It's huge in the kingdom. You know, God has a purpose there. He knew it was going to, you know, you were going to end up in this conversation before the foundations of the world. He knew you were going to be there, you know. And um, he knew exactly what you should do and what you should say. And, you know, if, you, if you're listening, if you're following, you're going to be okay. But otherwise, if you're out there just trying to do good works, like you say, to build a resume for the kingdom, it's not going to be worth a plug nickel. You know, it is not going to be worth a plug nickel. Just like nothing that young man said was worth a plug nickel. It just wasn't. Um, really sad, isn't it? Look at Matthew 6. Go to Matthew 6 real quick. Here Jesus is talking about the paradoxes of it all. Okay, um, Start with verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. And you know where that young man's heart was. It was with his material wealth and not with the great wealth in the kingdom of God. Uh, now back to where we were, because I want to finish this. We didn't finish the whole story. Pages are sticking. Okay. Uh huh. Matthew nineteen, because we had to finish the story. Okay. Um. Look at verse twenty-five. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, well, who then can be saved? Because, you know, some of those guys were quite wealthy. John was, John's family was very wealthy. Um, they were a wealthy fishing family. They not only had a home in, um, you know, up in Capernaum, up in that area, on the north part of the Lake of Galilee, but they also owned a home in Jerusalem. And John's family had connections with the Sanhedrin. Don't know what, but John was a loud audience in the hearings when Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. You know, John, uh, John is the one that got, got him in there, got Peter in there. But, so John had the connections, you know, and, and you're going, well, whoa, then, who's going to get into heaven? Well, yeah. How do we know that they had a home? Uh, that's Jewish tradition, and you can read that in, in the history. If you go back and read John's life, and you read his history and about his family, Zebedee, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, his, their mother was supposedly Mary's sister. That's the relationship there. Mm-hmm. So that Jesus and, and James and John were cousins. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you, you know, there's a lot of uh, back, family background that you don't get in the scriptures, but the history is there of it. You know, you just have to go back and read the histories. Um, it's really fascinating when, when you start to figure it all out. Um, let's see. All right. 
But Jesus beheld them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There it is, the worldview. With men it's impossible. But if you're in the kingdom of God, if you're looking at the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God everything's possible. Then answered Peter and said, Behold, we've forsaken all and followed you. What shall we have therefore? Um, And Jesus said to him, Verily I say to you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of glory, you shall also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that has forsaken houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, if you just leave it at that, you'd think, okay, when I die and go to heaven, I'm going to have a hundredfold lands and wives and children. But no, there aren't any. That's not the way heaven is. The hundredfold is in this life. And if you look at, um, you don't have to go there, but you can write this down. Mark 10. Mm, let's see where it is here. Um, no, don't put this down because I can't find it. I've lost it. I thought it was in Mark 10. But um, it's not there. Hold on. What is that thing? In, in Mark, when he tells this story, oh no, it's Mark, I'm sorry, it is Mark 10, verse 29. I was just looking at the wrong chapter. Mark 10, verse 29. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. So if that rich young ruler had had a kingdom view, it would have been easy for him to sell everything he owned and inherit a hundredfold back. That he, Jesus had no intention for that young man uh, to be poor. He had every intention for him to, to be a, a man of blessing. Because if nothing else, he's a son of Abraham. The blessing belongs to him. But um, Jesus never intended that. So here's another paradox. Go to Luke 6. Go to Luke chapter 6. And this is one of the reasons to me, you know, just thinking through this, this is one of the reasons it is so hard to um, walk in the kingdom of God because um, it is completely opposite of walking in the material realm. Your thought processes have to be completely backwards, you know, in order to walk in the kingdom of God. So no wonder people think we're lunatics, you know. Um... Absolutely. All right, look at Luke chapter 6. Are you there? Okay, I'm not. Let's see. Verse um, 38. Here's the paradox. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overrun and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, that you give with all, it shall be measured to you again. Um, so you give in order, to, you know, in order for the blessings to come to you. Now, 
what happens on these TV shows is it gets to be give to get. Mm. And what you're doing is manipulating God. And that does not work. You cannot manipulate God. But when you give to bless, when you give to bless God's heart, when you know you're being obedient to what He's asking you to do, and He needs you to do something with your giving, and you give in that blessing sense without any expectation of return. You don't expect anything in return when you're giving it. God's going to bless that back to you because you know He's never going to let you be without it. That's what you call confident expectation that it's never lost. It's always going to be multiplied back to you. So you can give totally without fear and in total faith and joy. Not to manipulate God to get something back from Him, but rather to bless God knowing full well that it's going to come back to you anyway. You don't, you don't ever worry about it because you know it's going to come back to you at least a hundredfold. Which is another paradox. Give to receive. You don't receive unless, you know, you have a giving spirit. When you hoard, that's all you get. And, it, and you'll lose it. But when you open your hands and give, it all comes back to you. Um, and that's paradoxical. Okay, we're going to stop there and we'll pick up next week. Um, and um, I'm going to tell you again, next week will be it. I guess it'll be it for three or four weeks. Well, it's going to be a long time unless we want to, I don't know where we can find another place to meet. Maybe there's another place in the church we can meet. But I'm going to be gone, um, let's see, 13, 14, 15, 16, the 17th, and no, 16th and the 23rd. I'll be gone the 16th and the 23rd. So we're not going to have class on the 16th and the 23rd. But when we get back, the 24th, they're going to have this whole place torn down well, around us. Only in the sanctuary, though. Is it only the sanctuary? They're not going to do anything down here? No, not right now. No, the sanctuary is phase one. Okay. So, so we'll be okay to meet then. Stuff down here is not going to be in these rooms. Okay, so we'll be okay in these rooms. Yeah. So okay. That means the 16th, we won't. The question is, Sunday, but not the next two Sundays. Yeah, so we'll meet. Yeah, we'll meet next week, which would be the ninth. Uh huh. But then we won't meet the sixteenth, and we won't meet the twenty-third. But then we'll be back on the thirtieth, August thirtieth. Then we'll be back. Oh my gosh, what is happening to us? August is just gone. August is gone. Church will be down at the high school. Yes. As soon as I get back, everything will start. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, I'm sure the doors will be locked here. You won't be able to get in. We're allowed to stay here and have Sunday school. Yeah, but we can also get a, get a, a and our Sunday school decided, and I think it sounded very logical, to have you know, get a room in the school and meet at nine, and then will they let us have a room at the yeah. school? Yes, yes. yes. they have to let uh, let the church know so Rod can reserve a room yeah. in the high school for them. Mm -hmm. And if we just all decided, our Sunday school classes decided to take a room at nine, and we could have our, our Sunday school.